What's good, what's good, what's good? Welcome to Reflections of a DJ, the road podcast presented by DJ City. Big shout out to DJ City. I'm one of your hosts, DJ Crooked. I got DJ Never here. Yo, what up? I got uh, DJ D Miles. What's good, what's good? I got Jamie the Great. Yeah, what up? And I got the homies from Florida, directly from Florida via satellite. Um, Formerly, what, Discotech? We got uh, DJ Conflict, my favorite DJ. And then we got one of our favorite producers. He makes a producer, yeah. editor, I all say, of the above. Not only <laughs> our favorite, but probably every club DJ's favorite remix producer. We got uh, Joe Maz in the building. What's good, guys? Yeah. Come on, man. What's okay. up? I just want to correct you on one thing. Can, can you guys hear me? Yeah. You guys hear me? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm living in Vegas now. I've been living in Vegas for like two years. Ah, so. okay, okay. Ah, oh, wow. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah. We heard that you had like well, I know you had a we were looking at cribs back in the day. I didn't know you actually moved here. Oh yeah. Yep. Uh like October of two thousand seventeen. Oh nice. Oh, oh nice. Shit. Damn, it's been man. a while. Been a minute. Yep. Yeah, yeah. What yep. what Crazy. what what motivated the move to Vegas? Uh I just had so much going on here and between here and LA or not LA but California. I was doing Utah, I was doing Scottsdale and I liked the idea of like the hour flight. On Southwest, any which way you go, right? And I like I like the quality of life out here better. That's mm. just my personal uh-huh. opinion on it. I mean, how much different is the rent and the the cost of living out here compared to to Miami or Florida? I would say it's much cheaper, right? Much cheaper. Yeah. And you guys don't pay taxes in Florida either, right? Or do you? No, state no, no, tax. No, no, no state tax. Oh, I see. So you've been out here for a while. So you're actually you've been going through what we've been going through out here in Vegas, pretty much. Yep. So, yep. and you've been you've been on Twitter, you know. I want I definitely want to talk about your remixes, and I want to talk about all your edit packs and everything that's been going on. And uh, but I want to talk to you and conflict because I know Joe, you've been expressing, you know, some of your frustration on Twitter, you know, about the pandemic and how it's affected. Yeah. You know, obviously, everyone, a majority of the country is definitely uh, frustrated with all of this. Yeah. And uh, I think there was a tweet yeah. that you even uh, you tweeted out something where you're. You're you're so fed up with like kind of the information being spewed out by the media and just uh, media yeah. sources, and and you're gonna go through. Uh, you're just gonna rely on yourself to do all the research. You know what I mean? I don't know if it's rely on myself, but I'm just gonna try and listen to as many different uh, opinions as possible to try and figure out what is the truth. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like there's a lot of misinformation, and if you listen to this side, you hear this this uh, part of the story. You listen to this side, you get this part of the story, and both of those things can't be true at the same time. Or like maybe maybe to a certain degree they can be true, but they're not both entirely true at the same time. What's the most frustrating thing for both of you guys? Is it not working, or is it just how um, disorganized this this all seems like? It's like how the government's been handling everything. Uh, well, for me, the most frustrating thing is that uh, everything keeps changing. And we don't have like a clear, concise idea of when normal returns it, and if it returns. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. The frustration of the economy being shut down. Uh, my mom's a nurse, uh, so she's at the hospital. Oh, so, wow. or she was actually. She yeah, she got a uh, she got furloughed because her hospital had uh, a lot of COVID patients, but they were not admitting um, selective uh, or elective surgeries. And if you have like a, an emergency, they'd send you to uh, a local uh, urgent care. So the reason why is because they wanted to potentially be ready if there was a flood of COVID patients and also to keep them segregated from someone that might have a broken leg, broken arm, or, you know, some other problem. <clears throat> so uh, having gone through that, 
that was kind of stressful. Uh, but now she's furloughed, so she, she's at home for three months because they have so, so little people at that hospital because of that they're just like making space just in case um but i don't know when normal returns and for me that's frustrating because it's difficult to plan for something if the end result continues to change shape as far as work goes i mean how worried are you guys not working for the rest of the year and how are you guys going to adapt i have a couple of dj friends who started working for amazon they started working for postmates already you know and and um, D, you've been delivering for Jardine. You know, I don't yeah, know. I don't yeah, know if yeah. it's a local dispensary out here. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I read yeah. something about that the dispensaries in Vegas are uh, doing more revenue now that they're delivering than they did when they were open normally. I read that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I read that. That makes sense. Fantastic. I mean, it's, I've been doing it for the last, I want to say, three, four weeks. And to be honest, it's, when I started, it was almost overwhelming because I didn't understand the amount of demand that there was for marijuana in the state, not only from like my age group, but from senior citizens that depend on medical, from people that have anxiety, like it's like a real thing. And like just continuing to be around it and me educating myself on it, it's just, it's truly like a uh, industry that probably will never be affected by any kind of economy or like, mm-hmm. like recession. Like it literally is like recession proof. Are like you making tips? That. Yeah, like I'm almost probably clearing probably like what, what, Half of what I'd probably be making is DJ money. Fantastic. It's not DJ money, but it's it's definitely enough to be sustainable during that's this great. time. And D, yeah, you, and good. D, you kind of started that. I mean, just to kind of keep busy because you were like so restless every day. Yeah, because you know? I I really have trouble just sitting around in the house, and then they hit me up and were like, "Yo, like, would you be down?" We're like understaffed, and like we were just got hit with this. Pretty much every dispensary that offers medical and offers delivery was allowed to stay open. So there's a lot of them that actually closed. Mm-hmm. So when they hit me up, they're like, yo, we, we literally are completely understaffed. Like any any of your help would be greatly appreciated. And I was like, yeah, like I'm in the house every day. Why not? And I went and literally I couldn't believe how busy it was. So I think it's going to continue. And I think after this, like the delivery game for, for marijuana is going to like change a lot. It's going to be as big as like a Uber Eats or like an Amazon. Mm-hmm. Are you maybe not working for the rest of the year? I mean, as far as not working the rest of the year, I'm I'm okay. I got money saved up. Luckily, I I kind of planned for a rainy day, but you know, it's not going to last forever, and I got to start figuring out a plan uh, aside from that. But I just want to get your guys' opinion on where you think this is all headed and how long you think it's going to last, because everything that I'm hearing indicates that even if we do open back up in Vegas, for example, Mm -hmm. it would be like mid-May, and it's not going to involve nightclubs even to start with mm-hmm. from what I've heard. So, yeah. I mean, July, August, and even when a nightclub opens, it sounds like to me, there's going to be social distancing involved with that. So I don't know how that works in a nightclub. You know what I mean? At half capacity, you sit at a table. What do you sit six feet from the person next to you? Yeah. Dance, you know, yeah. dance that's, six feet away from the person next to you. That's going to be hard to control. You can't control a dance floor like that, have people six feet away from each other on the dance floor dancing. That's kind of, that makes no sense. Yeah, Im- yeah, imagine the bars, like everybody's so close to the bar sometimes. So yeah. how is that going to help out? How is that going to work? It's like the worst possible place to be working at in this kind of an environment. <laughs> I can't think yeah. of it. Yeah. Uh, you you spoke about uh, you you were like really pissed at Bill Gates. I mean, he I think he had a statement that he wants like uh, the nightclubs and bars to pretty much be closed for the next eighteen months. I mean, he's not saying nightclubs and bars directly, but it's just implied, large gathering. I, yeah, it's implied by what he's saying. So, 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I got a lot of gripes with him personally, but <laughs> I, 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 I can talk for hours about him. So yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, are you guys receptive to doing? I mean, a, a lot of the turntablist DJs that I'm cool with, uh, they're really excited about Twitch um, and, live and, and live streaming. Uh, IG, uh, there's Facebook. a there's actually a lot of club DJs and working DJs that are excited about IG Live. Um, I'm not that excited about it. I'm, I'm more excited about DJing for like a crowd, but I get, I like the direction of having a platform and having complete freedom to spin whatever I want. Well, we don't, we don't have complete freedom mm. because with copyright. Right. Mm -hmm. so I actually, I agree with you. I'm not super excited about it either. Uh, mm. cause nothing can mimic being in the club and feeling the energy, the ambiance, the smells, the looking around all that. Uh, I actually do miss that a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, IG Live has, this my personal opinion, it has very little value for DJs because uh, different from podcasts, I feel like you guys started a podcast, I started a podcast, and there was like a slow ramp up in our community for podcasts, yeah, and right. it wasn't all at once, and now everyone's trying to break through the same door. It makes a lot of noise, and it makes it difficult to potentially pick winners out of everyone doing it mm -hmm. uh you know unless you have like some sort of a, a massive celebrity backing or a political backing right yeah um so i'm not super excited about it but i also don't want to be really pessimistic so i kind of get it it's fun to like play around and do visuals and and pr maybe perform for people that are your fans that right. uh, feel cabin sickness right now or what mm -hmm. is it cabin fever joe yeah. joe you actually had like a setup you you did a couple ig lives right yeah, yeah. How, what's your thoughts yeah, I, on what's your thoughts on that? I mean, I I have a lot of fun with it. I agree with you. You just play whatever you want and uh, see if people like it. And if they don't, then they leave. Whatever, that's fine. Mm -hmm. I just look at it like it's a fun thing for now. But is it financially viable? You mm -hmm. know, are people making money doing this on Twitch? Because that's kind of a platform where you can make money from it, right? Yeah. So uh, have you have you guys spoken to anybody that's actually doing all right in in that? Mm -hmm department it's, i know one of one oh, of my ahead. friends started one of my friends started doing the twitch uh djing stuff and he started making some money and he actually started uh he innovated playing video games in between songs so he's trying to make it fun or whatever so <laughs> that's yeah, smart yeah. that's different yeah, yeah so he's trying to bring the world of twitch and the dj live streaming together and i think he's doing a great job because he's playing like mario kart in between songs or whatever like between uh mixes or whatever for the most part he said he's making money now so i don't know if it's fifty dollars or two hundred dollars but say if you get 200 bucks every time you go live that's not that's not bad at how, all how much how are they getting paid they're just getting tips <clears throat> so it's they get like tokens you can buy tokens and, and subscriptions and stuff like that some some are paid subscriptions some are just um because it's a, you gotta think about it. the gaming world is a big like there's there's a whole ass event that's like mm -hmm. the super bowl and yeah. i think I think a kid of 16 about a couple of years ago, he made like $4 million in a tournament. Wow. So it's- Wow, a, I remember that, Jamie. I remember that. Yeah, so it's a it's a big thing. So the Twitch community, even if you get the 1% that likes DJing and, and gaming at the same time, I mean, you're going to win. I think the thing about Twitch is it's a completely new market. It's not a club market. Yeah. It's not like a festival market. It's this market of like gamers and like Uber nerds and like it's like corporate. Yeah, like complete incels. Yeah, it's well, it's like complete incels. Like you know what I'm saying? Like uh, it's a, just a completely different market. You know what I'm saying? So like for me, I don't know how to speak to that market because it's mm -hmm. foreign to me, and I don't know how. Because I look, I actually enjoy watching people play video games. 
Just because yeah, I, yeah. I find video games very stressful. Like, if I do this shit, I get stressed <laughs> out. So, for, like, a DJ to play video games and DJ at the same time, that's, like, the ultimate, that's, like, the most anxiety I could feel ever yes. would be <laughs> to be playing video games in front of people no, and, then I, having I to, get it. and then worrying about the next record that's about to, it, like, yeah. play, it, you know? Imagine, imagine playing a race on Mario Go-Kart and the song is finishing on the right side. Like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's a hard juggle. That's not. That's not like. That's not fun to me at all. Like no. I, I don't see that as fun at all. You know, I saw. I saw Four Color Zach on live. I saw J. Espinosa on live, and those. And you know, J. Espinosa loves DJing. He like yeah. thoroughly yeah. enjoys it. Mm-hmm. I love DJing as well, but my approach is very different. Like I have a, 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 a performance anxiety as well. You know, yeah. it's tied in with Twitch. With Twitch, how does it work? Like, how how are people gaining followings with Twitch? Like, because you well, can't really take your following with you, right? Like, it's almost you're starting over. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, it's like you're starting over. You just put up your Twitch link, and people most most people have a Twitch. Like, most of the younger generation has a Twitch, and um, basically subscription. It's like it's not the it's not the only fans of of the gaming or the DJ world now. It is the only fans of gaming and DJing. It is. Well, you can kind of say it's the only (laughs) Yeah. And then I also wanted to point out, um, I think it was like a year and a half ago, for that game Fortnite, um, they did like this festival kind of thing where your character goes to like a festival. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, And there was... uh, When is the Travis Scott thing? uh, It's coming up soon. Yeah. 7 p.m. today, Travis Scott is performing on Fortnite. Yeah, on Fortnite. And really? last, yeah, so yeah. last time they had Marshmallow mm-hmm. and like this, like, and like an open field, and your character's in the crowd, and he's doing like a live set. So the DJing has come into Twitch before. Hey, Jamie, how many followers your friend have that's on Twitch? I don't know. I, I'll check right now, but I'm not sure how much followers he has. I, I do think it's important to have a Twitch, but is that something, Conflict and, you know, and Joe, is that something you guys are interested in remotely and something you're going to delve into at all? Because Joe, I mean, you you're, you do production uh, predominantly, you know, and and I had some questions about that as well. But is it better for you to just focus on production than to focus on the performance aspect of, of DJing right now? I I think yeah, but I also wonder where it's all headed. Because for example, how much like have you guys really put into finding new music right now? And it feels like like for example, I work for Billboard, and the, all the the charts are pretty much shut down. Right. So yeah. it, it just mm-hmm. feels like everything is in a holding pattern. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what I mean? So like, yeah. even if let's, let's say I produce like the next thriller or something like that. Right. Like, is anybody really going to care that much mm-hmm. until we can go and, you know, support it in the clubs or tour off yeah. of it or whatever, whatever it is, stream it. Yeah. I don't, I I don't know hardest, how far that goes. You know what I mean? But is the it, hardest thing for yeah. me right now is like trying to figure out what is a good record because I don't have anything to gauge it. Uh, you can't test it. Right. Yeah. So yeah. when I'm downloading music, I know I'm going to just have to go off of my ear instead of like, there's been so many times, and I'm sure all of you guys can relate, where you hear a re- you've heard a record and it's okay, but when you hear it in a club environment, it changes the way you hear it and you're like, okay, this might actually work. Mm-hmm. So I don't, ha- I don't have that gauge right now. So when I'm downloading music, I don't know what's hot. I can't really tell. Like, like Crooked and Nev and Jamie, we, we were all talking about, right before this happened, our, one of our last shows that we were all together, we were talking about Megan Thee Stallion's album. And we all kind of agreed that it was not good. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she has that one song that turned into a hit, Savage, I was I know, like, yeah. wow, like, I wonder yeah, what that sounds like in the club now. I was thinking the same thing as well, man. But there's a difference now because that's a TikTok hit. And the question, right, I, question, yeah. Yeah, the question right now is, 
are the songs that are hits during quarantine, during this pandemic, when things start opening up, are they going are they going to be the same hits in a club? I, I believe so. I like, no, I don't think so. I think people are going to be tired of seeing that challenge and seeing those TikTok videos everywhere. Do you think they're going to be tired of hearing Savage? So yeah, so once so. Yeah. so once they go back to the club, they're not going to want to hear that shit because they've been hearing that for two two to three months. I don't know. I, 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 I disagree. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they will want to hear that, especially women will want to hear that in a big room and do the do that dance with their friends and express it, and it'll it'll probably just pick up from there. Are, are you guys on TikTok? Is anybody on TikTok? Yeah, I'm on TikTok. I don't make videos, but I'm I, on TikTok. I, I just <laughs> registered the name and uploaded a video so no one else could take it. I did the same thing. I just registered DJ Kirk. <laughs> yeah, that's what's gone up, but I haven't even gone on done any of that shit. Because you know what Drake I, did? What Drake did was kind of brilliant, right? He kind of okay. saw a market, and he just... And I can tell, I feel like Drake knows how to dumb his shit down. And I feel like really that well. Tussie Slide yeah. is literally a dumbed-down version of a TikTok hit that he knew could go viral mm -hmm. that him and 40 probably masterminded and you know it's one of those things though when i don't feel like if i'm live streaming or if i'm doing an ig live that's like the last song i want to play you know what i'm yeah, saying yeah, same, same yeah. way same way which is yeah. funny because like in a club i would be like i gotta play this at mm -hmm. prime right. time but when i'm doing an ig live i'm like I i'm not playing any of this shit i'm not playing that meg the stallion savage song i'm not playing that <laughs> that's like a bad look like f to me that's like a bad look for me to play that yeah you know what i mean it's like but back to what you were saying joe i mean streaming is down yes i mean because what i read was that since people aren't commuting they're not going to the gym mm -hmm. they're not doing that on a daily basis they're listening to music less because right. people will fill their time on the way to work or on the way to the gym or at the gym streaming so i actually i don't remember it was in the 20s i don't know if 20 or 25 percent of streaming is down but joe will probably be better um that's you know some you don't know no idea no idea I, I heard it was. Yeah. I heard it was even more drastic. I heard it was like fifty percent now. I, I heard really? it was forty percent. I heard it was like halfway of yeah. what it usually is, and I don't know. I don't think it's. Uh, I, I think it's just streaming music. I don't think it's streaming because people are streaming uh, on Netflix nonstop. But I think yeah, it's yeah. more yeah. music. I, I think it's just streaming. I don't think it's sales because Weekend did like almost five hundred thousand copies when mm -hmm. he dropped his um, latest album. Right. So that's a, that's a like full blown global superstar. Yeah, yeah. People are still buying, <laughs> buying music. Though. Like, like the baby just came out, and I don't think any of us have heard that album. I haven't heard anything. Yeah. I haven't. It's projected to sell like over a hundred thousand, like one twenty, which is I, not bad. I don't think he's in the sell past sixty or eighty, but that's just me. But even the baby, two months ago, was one of the biggest artists we were playing in the club or at work. So, like, Maybe, you know, you just, you just something just sparked in my head. Maybe you just said that. He said. He was one of the biggest artists we were playing in the club. And now it's like no one's listening, right? Yeah. I wonder if this will give record labels and like the massive record labels. They'll look around and be like, wow, DJs really do move the needle way more than we actually suspected. Maybe it's time to open up the restrictions and, and like let them do what they do on live. And so Crooked, you were talking about Twitch and if, if we think that it's going to be a viable product. And for corporate dollars, I don't think so because it's still illegal to use things that aren't yours unless you get whitelisted. So someone that gets lucky and maybe speaks to a higher up at Facebook or Instagram and goes, hey, I'm going to live stream. I'm going to play these records. Can you talk to Universal, talk to uh, whatever the other record labels are and say, you know, whitelist my, my account so mm -hmm. the copyright algorithm doesn't take me down. Right. For those people, then it's for sure viable to, to live stream. But we're all kind of trying to fly under the radar because it's still illegal to do what we do, even on Twitch. Right. Uh, 
So if the, the major record labels and big companies release those uh, shackles, and I know DJ As Is started a petition on Twitter, and it was like, let the DJs DJ, mm -hmm. especially during this time to provide entertainment, provide tunes for people, give them a reason to like get up and dance or enjoy their Friday night with the atmosphere of a nightclub, even if it's through an iPad or phone or, or a web browser, we're still flying under the radar. Now, Mixcloud just started uh, allowing li uh, live, live streams. Streaming, yep. Yes. And yeah. that, I haven't look, looked into it that much, but that's a, a, in that form, it's legal because they've already figured out the revenue splits with the label. So that's something that's right. really interesting to me. Uh, I don't, in my opinion, is uh, making these companies bigger and making them money by attracting traffic and doing something cool when they don't even acknowledge us and let us do what we do right. is kind of like backwards. Mm -hmm. So I would rather stream somewhere where they're like, hey, you can do a revenue split and it's legal here and we want you to do it. To me, that's like fantastic. Let's mm -hmm. go. Let's go to Mixcloud. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. I, I think Twitch is working on the music, though like oh, yeah. aggressively yeah. like twitch is, so well. is working on it aggressively i think they're working with soundcloud um and i know that instagram and facebook same company but i know that they're they can't i mean they'd be idiots if they if they haven't seen the impact that music has had on ig live which is right. really reinvigorated that whole feature on their platform if I anything, you know, like if we're seeing musicians and artists and DJs really take that feature on that platform and really bring new life to it with these beat battles with D nice, like it's yeah. undeniable. So I know that Instagram and Facebook are probably trying to streamline it somehow. And I think all of these issues that we're having is just one of those things that uh, tech companies go through. When, when yeah it's the growing pains and it's just not knowing exactly you know how the market is going to approach you know your platform and then kind of accommodating and adapting to it and saying like oh okay like that's what's going on like we got to streamline this we got to do it asap before anybody else you know but with streaming yeah. down and i talk to producers all the time with streaming down like you know joe does it make any sense to push out any remixes does it like, does it, I know you, there's some original music. Does it make any sense to do, to push any of this out? Because I speak to my boys and they're like, I'm not, I'm not pushing anything good out. Like I'm going to push out some mid shit, you know, that, that's like, that's just content. But like, I'm going to hold on to this other shit until like everything starts getting back to normal, you know? And to add, and to I, add real quick, Joe, and to add to yeah. that, are you even motivated to make, because uh, we all, you know, I love some of your remixes. That, like the goosebumps, the goosebumps one is one of my favorites. The, the, do you have any motivation to create that type of like level of production and editing, or are you just like you don't have no motivation to do to do any of that? Well, there's kind of two things going on. First of all, when I produce, I always have like a DJ's mind going every time I make something. So I envision like how can I make this record better for what we do without like screwing it all up. You know, and losing the, the overall vibe of the track, the original. Um, so without a club in mind, you know, where we're just sitting in our houses, like streaming on Twitch or, or IG Live, the way I produce doesn't really make sense, you know. Uh, on top of that, I've, I've been in the mindset where I just want to figure out what's going on. So <laughs> that's like the first thing on my mind every day. I'm like, how are we going to get out of this? We got to get out of this because we talk about streaming and stuff and we could talk about it for six months, but... I mean, until we start working again, it's it's 
it doesn't make any sense to me. You know what I mean? That's that's really yeah. interesting, actually, what you said, um, Joe. Like you said, because we're not in a club environment anymore, you feel like there isn't a purpose for some of the remixes and the production right now? Yep. I mean, I, I can produce original music, but the way I produce is always with the club in mind, mm -hmm. generally, as far as the remixes are concerned. I got original music that it doesn't like associate with the club at all. Right. And I could put that out, but where does it go? Prob probably like your friend. It's like, where does it go? And then also generally when you're putting out original music as an artist, you have like this whole plan involved with it, right? Mm -hmm. A tour, a, a tour involved, a rollout, all this stuff, like the marketing rollout. And I just can't, there's so much uncertainty in the air that it's like, well, why would you do that? Yeah. Like, well, let's say yeah. like, like if you put out a really, a great album right now, even some of these big artists, like you just talked about the baby, it's like people might forget about that by the time this is over, mm. you know, and you spent all that time making that dope album six months from now that finally they, the, the, they lift the restrictions on everything. We're back to where we're at. And it's like, nobody's ever going to remember that album you right. dropped right in the middle of the quarantine. Yes. You know? Literally like months like like four months to six months of no revenue, right? No touring, yeah. no no appearances, no nothing. No merch. No merch. No. I mean, merch. You could probably still move some merch right now, but, but it's it, not the high level that you use. Yeah, not at, not. But, it's not going to be at like you know like you're at also a festival with, like with a new product that's streaming at fifty percent the rate it used to. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you release now, so like what what is even the point? That's oh. it. So as far yeah, as motivation, I think, I think the sorry. album the baby dropped is like. Leftovers from his last album. He they That's just put out. Just for like keep that name out there. Yeah. Mm. Don't think it's like all new music that he did. Also, I don't know if you guys uh kept up with like Tory Lanes. He did like warranty radio, and he yeah. would have like two hundred or three hundred thousand people on his live. Mainly, it's just girls shaking their ass. However, I think he had a bunch of leftover music from his last project. That he put something together and he just put it out for the sake of it, being yeah. the most popular guy on IG for a minute. Uh, I don't think I, I listened to the album. I, I like Tory Lanez, but it's not what I was expecting from him. Mm -hmm. And I even think he just did that just to keep like the pop like, name out there. Yeah, and the music out there. And he released some merch, like quarantine radio merch. And mm -hmm. I don't think I don't know if he did well with that, but I mean, he, I guess. He, there's people that really just trying to keep their name in the circle, even yeah. if it's like little things like that. Mm -hmm. And it sucks because there's actually a couple of records on that on that album from Tory Lanez where I heard them and I'm like, damn, I wonder how these would sound in the club because they sound like they could be some bangers. Yeah, because Tory Lanez. I don't like, even know if I'm going to get an opportunity to play them because by the time this is all done, it might just have already fizzled out and it would have been just a leftover at that point. True. Mm -hmm. I yeah. mean, yeah. Joe, Joe, is that how you? Uh, predominantly like check to see if if a remix is done and ready for the club is like to be in a club and to hear it and oh yeah 100 percent. i mean every time i i never really put it out until i play it myself and i'm like mm -hmm. all right you know it, the the kick comes through nice the bass is good the reaction was good mm, this needs to move a little faster this drop yeah was like yep. a little too long so yeah 100 percent. yeah and you can feel that energy in the crowd and is it also harder to pick songs that you would choose to remix because in a club you can say like wow this is a bubbling record i'm gonna remix this but i also feel that nowadays you know producers like yourself are so important because i feel like the the, the music nowadays you know it's just so poorly produced and mixed and arranged sometimes 
uh, it's not built for a big room at all because they're all mm-hmm. made in like bedrooms. You know what I mean? Right. And and some right. of them aren't even mastered, and they're not arranged right. They're not arranged for like dancing. What do what is your thoughts on that? I mean, is it getting easier or harder to really kind of remix these records? Do I feel like music in general is getting worse? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I've been feeling that for a long time. <laughs> that's why that's we started remixing. Yeah. Is it's that, like, you know what? Inspire you? Is better. Does that inspire you to do like a remix that's going to like set it apart because it is so unplayable a lot of times? Or is it frustrating? Like, I, I, is it like, like more I had, I had a hard, I had a hard time playing highest in the room, in the clubs, especially for in a big room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the energy was just kind of mundane. But your version of it gave that record life for me. Yeah, you did yep. a great remix. You actually won the highest in the room. You won an award for that remix for for the Billie Eilish and the the highest in the room for the me- remix yeah. awards. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the way I, I I like Travis Scott. I like most of the stuff that he puts out, and I like highest in the room. But like you were talking about, just the way that the original is produced is not really club conducive. You know, you're going to lose the room pretty quick. I feel like if you drop that track. And I wanted to just make it more epic to, to sum it up. Yeah. I just wanted to make it the energy higher without losing the original feel of the track. You can have a drop, but the drop, sometimes these drops just go off on some tweaker shit that <laughs> it, it's, it doesn't make any sense. Right. And, yeah. and the way I try and make my drops, if I can, is like make it musical melodies, but also make it, make it bang, you know, the well, best way I can describe it. What are those drops that, what would you call those drops when, Cause, yeah, because sometimes when I hear trap, I think trap drops are maybe the worst drops ever. When that drop hits, you can either two things happen. The energy in the room either escalates or it like decreases. You know what I mean? And what I and sometimes it just stops. Like people literally stop dancing because they can't figure out how the drop is hit. <laughs> right. They're like, uh, uh, uh. So like the drop will hit, you know, like, you know, the drop will hit like a burn. And everyone's just like, yo, like, what the fuck? Yeah. Is the speakers okay? You know what I mean? Like, what the fuck is happening? You need to make a shirt that just says, Joe Maz, make it bang. That's like the best merch right there. The My least favorite trap drop is the one that is the negative space. It's like a buildup. And then it's just like blank. And then the snare comes in on the two. And it's like, people are like, oh, wait. What? How am I supposed to answer? You get rid of that one, and in the ones that have a long one, it's like becomes a one, two, three. It's like, da, da, da. Yeah. like you mentioned, that sucks also. But my the worst one is build up negative space coming on the two. Yeah, blah, 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 and it develops that way. It's like that's the one piece we need. That's yeah. the one, that's the confetti drop. You always get the you always get like people in the crowd doing the half jump when that happens, right? Because they're ready <laughs> to jump on the one, and they're it's like, like the oh, fake. Yeah. It's actually really cool of the DJ to do that or the producer to do that because it's almost like, ha ha, you know. I got, <laughs> gotcha. I got you guys. <laughs> you, know, like, yeah. you, like, you guys ever seen that video of that dude that was trolling like in Australia that it was a big, big buildup and they were in a big room and these kids, it was like younger kids, massive buildup and then it goes into like the most chill track ever. Yeah. Have you seen that? Yeah. <laughs> I, and I don't know what wow. the track is. I can't think of what song it was with like that that real like with the saxophone from the eighties. Right. I can't even think of the, the track. Oh and was, the whole crowd was like, oh was it wham? Was it wham? Uh it was like wham or something yeah. like that. Yeah, I think, I think it was wham. Um what do you call it? I do want to talk about um actually 
with with everything going with the pandemic and the direction we're headed with this pandemic, do you think there is a future for big rooms? Mm, and then and then a lot of your remixes are catered to big rooms and festivals. Is there any possibility that you're gonna maybe kind of like refocus how you do the remixes or how you approach remixes moving forward, maybe starting this year. I mean, if we can't, if you're suggesting that there won't be any big rooms possibly moving forward. No, I think there will be. I just don't know if there will be as many. I think the smaller venues will open sooner than the bigger ones. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. If, if that's the case, I mean, and I think you're right. I think the smaller venues will open. Um, yeah, certainly I would. But they play Joe's remixes at the small venues too. Joe, you get your stuff played everywhere. That's well. That's kind of when I'm producing again. I, I, I that's again on my mind when I'm producing. I don't want mm. it to go too far off into festival world, and then I don't want it to, to not be energetic enough to work. You know, in certain rooms. So right. I want it to work as many places. I always look at like Calvin Harris, like is a, a great producer because I feel like you could play his track at the biggest festival ever. And then you could play it in a room of like 20 people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially yeah. his stuff from like years ago. It's like, or, or Snake, most of his stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like you could play that track in the middle of a festival. You could play it in the smallest room and it works. Or you could play it in your car and, and, and someone enjoy it too. So that's kind of the way I approach remixing. But yeah, as far as the pandemic's concerned, I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to envision like where this is all headed because like we talked about, even if they open up, there's going to be like six foot spacing at these bars and nightclubs. Yeah. And I don't know. That that doesn't sound like that great of a time to me. They're talking about open up Vegas and it's like can, do, you, do you guys see people flying here in droves if there's no nightclubs open and like four restaurants open? Not at all. Oh, no. I think it'll happen in tiers. I feel like once the hotel is open, I think they'll test it out with the gaming and see how the gaming situation is i think maybe it'll go from gaming to restaurants and restaurants to small lounges and then it'll be a slow build up to maybe the clubs mm-hmm. like the marquees and the excesses i think the night the mega clubs and the pools will probably be the, the very last to yeah. open i know because it's the hardest to kind of like monitor and kind of control at least with gaming you can kind of control it you can have certain uh, uh maybe like five people sitting at one table playing a game and space it out a little bit but in the nightclub it's so unpredictable like how do you how do you even do that? Even like what yeah. Jamie was saying, having people at a bar, having people lining up at a bathroom. They're gonna be checking your temperature when you walk in. Yeah, you know, yeah for sure. Like, <laughs> well, I'm pretty pessimistic about the whole thing, honestly, because I I don't think it's just the social distancing thing. I think that there's other factors that play a part in what we do, which is pe- what we do is a luxury for people. They spend their their money on entertainment, and mm-hmm. if you know, there's a lot of people that don't have jobs or another thing. A lot of people don't have jobs, but also industry people support industry nights and go out a lot. Mm-hmm. And yeah. those industry people right now don't have a job. So if you are a bartender, a waitress, another DJ, and you like going out to support your friends, you don't have a job right now. So when it all comes back, if it comes back, even at a reduced rate, you're not going to be the first one out to spend money because you don't have it. So that's another issue. Then let's say that they say, okay, uh, you can only open at 30% capacity just for safety. Some businesses are going to look at that and say, we don't make money at 30% capacity. We're, we're actually losing money. Mm-hmm. So we'll wait until you instate a 75% capacity because that's where we start making money. So even when they allow clubs to open, they're not going to, some of them might decide not to because they'd still be bleeding and, and it'll be worse because they'll have to pay employees plus the rent. Mm-hmm. So I'm worried. I'm very pessimistic about it. And flu season comes around winter. So this, is, this thing doesn't go away. That's another piece of the puzzle. 
this was, you asked what the frustrations were. This is my frustration. There's so many unknowns. There's so many questions. What happens next flu season if this comes back and we actually, as humans, don't develop immunity? And you have it this, this year and you can get it next year. And next year, there's, a, there's a, an even stronger strain. Right. Um, and I'm, again, Joe, sorry, I'm going based on what the news is telling me. So I don't know. You know no, no, just, no. It, what you're saying makes sense. But yeah. that's kind of like what I've been thinking about, too, is, even, okay, let's say, let's say like three, four months from now, they open things back up. Or let's say we, we, we wait six months to a year, and then we open things back up. No matter when you open it back up, there's going to be people that have been in their house for this long of a time that haven't ever been exposed to the virus that are now going to be exposed to the virus mm -hmm. the second you open things back up. So it's like, I don't know if there's ever going to be a great time to open it back up because mm. you're just going to shut it back. You have to develop herd immunity, like you said. But what if you, what if you can't be immune? What if it's like the flu that you get it one year and then you're cool for that season strain, but then it changes and, and it, the next season it's something else? Well, that's where we have to start asking ourselves exactly what this virus is, you know? Mm. And exactly what the mortality is, right? And we have to start asking those questions because, the, for example, the way I understand it with the tests, the test doesn't even test for the virus. Do you know that? The no, test no. tests for an, the test tests for an RNA strand. The test tests for gen genetic material, and there's a fifty percent false positive because this genetic material could come up if you have cancer, if you have a whole bunch of other stuff going on, you could get a positive result. And you're not, you might not be testing positive for the virus. You might be testing positive for something else. So what, what does that tell you? Above my you pay know? grade, sir. <laughs> <laughs> that's, to me, that's crazy. So like, I, I think, I don't think anything's going to go back to normal until a few months after a vaccine is available to the public pretty much. And that's probably not till next year. Uh, An effective vaccine. It has to be effective because it's like the flu vaccine where it's like 30% here, roll the dice. What's the point? The, va the vaccine. So what, so what, the well, the vaccine, do you think it should be mandatory? Uh, there's mandatory vaccines for healthcare professionals. My mom cannot refuse it. If she does, she gets. Well, that's a, that's a, that's a well, like fired, right? I'm talking about they don't kill her. They don't okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. He said, no, I was like, <laughs> well, Joe, Joe, you, do you believe, do you believe uh, 7 billion people should be forced to have a vaccine? I think in a perfect world that would be great, but honestly, I, the way this country is, someone's got to get paid. I don't think they're going to make it available to everybody. You know I, I, mean? I truly believe that, and maybe Joe, you can uh, put an opinion on this one. I think that they're going to treat it a lot of the way they did. They treated HIV like HIV was a virus. They never found a cure, but they found a way for you to live with it. And I mean, when's the last time any of us have heard of someone die of AIDS? I mean, well, that's another it's, a, it's a completely different virus, yeah, but like, yeah. I think Easy E was the last one. A theory. The money is in the medicine. The money is in finding a way for people to live with it. That's what always if this the money. becomes something like an STD that like you have corona, you have it forever, and it flares up every now and then, and it's just in your system. Well, no, that's another yeah, like, well you can catch it again, right? You're, you're not immune to Yeah, I've heard it. Right. Somebody got cured. That people caught it again. That yeah. They got it once it went away and it came back. Because they got cured and then they got it again. I heard that's why gonna, the health workers have been, you know, uh, becoming fatally ill is because they've just had the virus compounding on top of them. And some, some, uh, some healthcare workers have not felt any symptoms. So the, the, right. the thing about this thing is, man, if you... This is one part where I'm like, mm, you know, some people have a point. If you were going to create a, a virus, right? Yeah. You can't, you can't make it too deadly because the virus needs time to infect other people. 
So if it's too deadly, it doesn't spread fast enough and then it just dies, right? So it's got to spread slow enough to where it can infect people, but also it has to be relatively deadly, but not entirely deadly. So it's like, you can have this thing for a couple of days before you feel anything and just bouncing it off people all day because you feel fine. The reason why SARS and MERS was mitigated and it's the same like family of viruses is because when you have SARS or MERS, from what I read, I'm not a you know medical expert, but you immediately get sick. So they know you come into the hospital with a respiratory infection and you're feeling these symptoms. They're like, could be SARS or MERS, isolate that patient. But now it's like you come in with a little bit of a fever. They don't know what it is. You could potentially have it without any symptoms, which is very uh, uh, common. Asymptomatic uh, transmission has been pretty prevalent. And that's, the, that's what makes this thing you know, such a difficult thing to deal with, that you could feel fine and you're the DJ at the club and you, you have it and you're cool. And then all of a sudden, you, know, you sneeze and <clears throat> cough just in passing and you never feel a symptom. But now three people in front of you caught it and they spread it to the rest of the dance floor. And it's right. like, oh, crap. What club is going to want that liability? So that's kind of the case with influenza as, as well, right? Yes, I think so too. Okay. You know, you were talking about it. Were you talking about creating a virus? Well, yeah, I was, but I was saying, <laughs> you heard that from the bathroom what I was, or from the water. Did I, I create a virus? Yeah. What I was saying was if you're going to create one, you can't make one that's too deadly and you can't make one that works too slow and that doesn't have a mortality rate because then we'd be like, man, whatever, we just brush it off. But it's like, this one has like the best, not the best of both worlds, but it's pretty high up there. You know, if you're, you're setting yeah. the, the parameters for creating a virus, you definitely want it to uh, have some of the characteristics that this one does. So it seems awfully uh, fortunate that we, or rather not fortunate that we ended up with this one. All right. So do you think it came from the lab? They're talking about it came from the lab. I think all possibilities are open. I think that it could potentially be man-made and it got out. And if, if that's the case, then I don't think they would ever tell us, oops, our bad. Oh, we messed up over here. You know, they would seal that as much as they could. But I also think that it's possible because we are so overpopulated and because in China, there are certain markets that have uh, a large uh, animal uh, contingency that exists there for sale, mm -hmm. that these kind of things can happen. So the possibilities in my head are open in both sectors. I'm not going to you know, say this can't be or that can't be. Uh, yeah. But the thing is, I don't know. But what I do know is I don't have a job and none of my colleagues do. So to me, that's like primary focus is figuring out what do I do to feed family and what do I do for my friends if I can do anything to help so that's my number one and then number yeah. two once those things get mitigated it's like okay now let's figure out how did this happen how do we stop it from ever happening again and what can we do moving forward as a society to uh, uh, prevent the spread of anything that might come up because if this it, listen this thing kills like old people and it's some young people unfortunately right but imagine it was an indiscriminate mm. virus and it just killed let's say 12, 13, 14, 15% of the people that are actually infected, regardless of age, it would be a calamity on a worldwide scale because mm -hmm. we'd be freaking out because it only affects uh, older people right now. You have people that are allowed to go protest and like open up the country. I, I don't care if I get sick, let me do what I want. But if it was a killer, like a real killer, then we would, then you'd see like people going out, you'd see crime rise. You'd see people that were broke and have a gun go out and get what they got to get. So it's like, we got lucky even though it's terrible what we did get. I think it's it's hard not to, like, there's so many conspiracy theories going out, you know, and just being thrown at us. And it's hard not to, like, consider any of them because, you know, they, they all come from, <laughs> they all come from a place of, like, yeah, you know, that that could be because we've heard craziest shit happen. Possibly. And I, I, don't, I don't think it helps when, you know, we see, like, videos in Shanghai nightclubs where, like, everyone in China is just, like, partying and everything's back to normal now. Yeah, so kind of like I haven't seen of, that. You haven't? There's like is not, that real? Yeah, 
Yeah. There's nightclubs Bro, in No Ch- shit. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> China, I did not uh, know that. Yeah, there's nightclubs in Shanghai that like just reopened and they're like packed and they're you know packed, yeah. everyone's on Insta like you know, on social media just like flaunting like yo, just partying it up. And it just makes it makes, you know, obviously all of us in America <laughs> yeah. be like, yo, like, what the that. fuck? Like what it you know what's going on over there? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I'm, not, I'm not. They're they're not getting any remixes out there. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna make the download link. So he's that, it off in China. Yo, Joe. Yo, Joe. The scary thing is, I think that, like, like in China, I think in in America, people are gonna want to forget about this past time and just go out and drink and get fucked up and and have a good time. Like, I, I don't think it's gonna be a slow, steady thing. I think people are gonna really can't wait to go outside type of a deal yeah. and just go want to yeah. want to spend money whatever money they have and just forget about it and that, i don't know if that's good or bad like even like vegas they're talking about reopening vegas as a as almost like an experiment like would be the guinea pigs no that was May- that was mayor goodman who yeah. misspoke but you know she oh, okay. she spoke very recklessly <laughs> No, yeah, I thought that was horrible. I saw it yesterday. Yeah, wow, the the, like the, the Las Vegas the Las Vegas mayor Goodman. Uh, she I don't know if she was high, drunk, or just dumb. She just misspoke. <laughs> she didn't mis- take her medication. Yeah, she <laughs> she misspoke on CNN. That's really the problem. Wow. That's really the problem with social media is that they they showed that like obviously that video goes viral, but then the video of the governor of Las Vegas who spoke really like uh, conservatively and like intelligently. Like no one's gonna see that video. They're just gonna see like the nut job who spoke on on that. But yeah, she was speaking really reckless. Uh, the governor, um, he no, well, no, the governor went on on CNN, mm-hmm. and he he let everyone yeah. know like we're not gonna open anytime soon. Yeah. We're gonna take this safe. Talking about like going through phases when. When we're ready to open, he's gonna go to like a certain phase. Phase well, there, one. There's a phase one. There's a phase two. We haven't even yeah. gone through phase one though. We're still yeah. in phase. I mean, you know, it's like it's not happening. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think there's a, I don't think there's an issue. And I want to ask you guys because I know in Florida they're reopening certain beaches, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know if there's a problem with opening small reopening small non-essential small businesses. If there is a safety protocol, they have to follow. But if the, but from what the mayor was saying, she's like, I'm not going to put out a safety protocol. I'm just going to let you guys figure it out. And if, you know, I went to a couple Asian groceries. Like I went to Whole Foods. Whole Foods had a line, you know, outside for everyone that left. They let one in, you know, like yeah. it was very controlled. It was very like uh, secure. It was very responsible. I went to like a Korean grocery because I was like, you know, let me get some Korean shit. You know, like I need some kimchi. I need some stuff like that. I went I there that and that shit was like a fucking free for all. Like, ev- <laughs> like, like everyone was in line. Like I was like, I had a motherfucker next to me and I was like, I just looked at him like, yo, back the fuck up. And he stepped like, a. F- but everyone was like regular shit. <laughs> the same goes in the Mexican uh, yeah. food market. And I'm like, yo, the Asian Asians are wild. Like minorities are always going to be wild. Right. And, and their oh, grocery. So like, if you leave it up to the business owner, it's going to be a free for all, but there has to be a safety protocol. But I'm wondering, like, with the, with Florida, like, letting these beaches out there and, and no one monitoring any of that shit, everyone's just making this shit going to last longer? Or yeah. or at, at, at this point, should we just, you know, like, I, I don't know what the right answer is because, I, I you know what I mean? Like, we all need hair. If, if, honestly, if they, if they opened up uh, non-essential small businesses, I would get a haircut, but I don't need to get a haircut. But if it's available and I trust my barber... And I feel like their safety protocol is good. I would get a haircut. Could you know? get a haircut? 
I mean, but why would you get a haircut? Where are you going? Huh? Go to, to the living room, my man. I gotta look. I gotta look good for my Twitch lives and my IG lives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I think the way that you're, you're presenting that question is it's great because there's no right answer. So yeah. You let the business do it. The business is like, yeah, I gotta make money. I'll put on a mask. Yeah. I'll put on gloves. But now we have to trust that individual business, like your barber shop, to wipe down the chair every time. So what if you know your your barber would have to be trained on how to sanitize things properly? What right. if he does it? And what if you end up catching something and then like you go visit your mom, you're like, oh, I just got a haircut. Check it out. I'm going to do my IG live with this. And then, you know, something happens and the infection goes, goes on. Right. It's like the beaches. Um, I almost like I'm, I'm okay with it. Like beaches and parks. There's a park by my house and it's two blocks away. And whenever there's more than one family there, we all just pick a corner and everyone is in their own little corner of the park. That's cool. The beach is big, but a small place like a barbershop, mm-hmm. even though it's you know, kind of important to, for for some people to get a haircut. I mean, I haven't had one in a while, but for some people it is important. So I don't know, man. I, there's no good answer there. It's like, yes, but no. So we, we might be prolonging this even longer, but as Joe said, at some point, you just got to do something because yeah. just mm-hmm. holding pattern isn't going to work out, especially if eventually they're like, okay, it's safe to go out. And then all the people that have been waiting in their homes just get infected anyway. That's exactly my point. That's why I don't think it's crazy just to start opening up some in some with mitigation you know what i mean with some sort of like protocol let's let's see how it goes at least because whether we do it next week or we do it in six months we're gonna have to do it mm-hmm. eventually and we're gonna have to see how it goes because otherwise we're gonna be stuck in this forever how do you guys feel about atlanta they're opening up tomorrow like where atlanta georgia oh oh yeah okay barbershops the nail salons I know that I know them barbershops ain't gonna give a fuck about sanitizing shit. Like they're not gonna be doing yeah, that's shit. That's the scary thing because barbershops. <laughs> there's so much. There's so much human touch and interaction in a barbershop and nail salons and hair salons. I I would think that should be one of the last things to open. Like I I would love to go get my beard trimmed, but they use metal clippers. They use they use combs. They use all these things that are gonna be touching multiple people's faces, along yeah. with the chair. Like it's just it's not unsanitary, but I think the risk is so high. For a place like that, that's the last thing I want to go to right now. I got a question, Joe. Why do you look so like you look? You look fucking good right now. What's up? Where are you getting yeah. your haircut from? <laughs> you got like a nice shape up and everything. Hair's <laughs> cut. Where are you getting your hair? My wife cut my my hair. Oh she, shit! She knows okay. what she's doing. Yeah. 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 It's, good yeah. to, it's good to have a wife. It's good to have a wife. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, Yo, conflict. Are you still? Are you still like able to? I know you take care of your body and you're really into fitness. Like, are you still able to work out around this time, or what are you doing? Uh, we have a yoga mat here, which is fantastic, and uh, <laughs> you know every workout on, in the world is on YouTube. Um, hmm. Yeah. Right before this started getting bad, I thought, all right, I need some some uh, weights in my house, but I don't want you know stuff that's going to look bad. So there's these uh, dumbbells called power blocks that are like adjustable, mm-hmm. and. They go from, I think, 15 or 10 to 15 pounds up to 50. And they're just like, you know, big squares. They're just one. And you just like go as you need. Mm-hmm. And I bought those. I think they cost me 300 bucks. Uh, and I was like, cool, for a pair. Expensive, but I can do everything I need with them. And then I looked recently because I was like, maybe I can upgrade them and get some nicer. And they're selling for like $900. Everyone's mm-hmm. trying to get their fitness on in their house because gyms, you know, if we're talking about places where you contact things, we're going to have yeah. someone in the gym cleaning off every dumbbell the second you're done with it. It doesn't make any sense. Right. I mean, if we're talking about the last things that open, damn, it sucks yeah. to be a gym owner right yeah. now. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I just, that was my thought too, because I, I had two gym memberships and I just thought to myself, when is, 
the chance what are the chances of these gyms opening back up the level of sanitation that would that would be needed for a gym to open and the level of employees you would need to retrace and, and make sure everything's clean is is unreal i don't even know if that that would probably be the last thing to open and then you got steam rooms you got saunas yeah. you got showers mm-hmm. the swimming pools in the gyms like it's almost impossible to like monitor all that and keep that stuff clean. So even I'm looking into now trying to like get equipment to just put in the house. Yeah, there's this gym. Listen, there's gyms a gym would not come back. Three thousand dollars. All right, it's expensive as shit. But I saw it on uh-huh. Instagram. If we all approach them and say we want a group discount, I'm sure it's three thousand yeah. dollars. It goes on the wall. Called Tonal. T O N A L. And basically uses magnets and it's a big TV screen. So it uses like magnets and it does resistance weight and you can watch the person working out on this TV. It's really dope. I'm gonna pull up a picture, but it's three grand. If you want to go in, we can message them together and see if they're <laughs> get a group discount. <laughs> Yo, uh, conflict. I know you're big on MMA and boxing. Do you have a, a bag hung up at your house or no? No, I don't have a bag right now. But look, can you guys see that? Maybe a little yeah. bit. Yeah. yeah. See how it's on the wall? Yeah. It looks like a little console. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's three grand though, and they gotta install it. Jesus. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's funny to see what rose in prices and what sells out. Like uh like supplements are yeah. like selling out. Echinacea, all like vitamin D, all of these important uh vitamins and supplements have been selling out. I actually mm. I wanted to talk about some of your accomplishments, um, Joe, and then uh, kind of go through some of these uh remixes you've had official remixes with like adele right that's that's a high accolade uh coldplay beyonce kanye west right when you guys were discotech i think you had that homecoming remix uh dua lipa flow rider can you explain a little bit something for me because i know some of the basics of like getting an official remix with an artist for production right Mm -hmm. Uh, I, well, from the beginning, it was like, I just did it for fun. I've always enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Like when I was going to college in 2002, I would just do mashups. You know, I was inspired by like danger mouse and the black album, the, the gray album, all that stuff. Right. Right. And I was just, I was just doing it for fun. And I would like come into these nightclubs and I'd be like, Hey man, can you play this? And he would never play it. And, uh, <laughs> so I wanted to DJ myself cause I wanted to play my own shit. Mm. Um, you know. Over time, I got on crookandclan.net, if you guys remember that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And got on there as discotheque, and then started getting noticed by people. And Benzie, you know DJ Benzie? Mm-hmm. He reached out, and he wanted he wanted to do the uh, Kanye remix album for Homecoming. So that was like the first big remix that I think Discotech ever did in an official capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just kind of built from there. You just start developing a rep reputation and people start reaching out you start developing a name i think a lot of producers that make the transition from remixers to uh artists start out remixing you know you could probably like a chain smokers that's a pretty prime example even dj snake you know he was just doing bootleg remixes like back in the day and then turned down for what came out and was like he was off to the races you can build you're you're building your name through remixes because it's just like any artist that comes out, they're a feature on somebody else's shit, right? So, like, Drake, you know, he came up on Lil Wayne. Is that right? Yeah. You're always, like, taking somebody else's name and, and building yourself from it in a, mm-hmm. sort, in a sort of way. And I think that's what remixing is in a certain way. And then you use that clout, and, and hopefully people will support your original music as well. So I think that's the way that you build a name from it. Well, like, working with official, like, having official remixes, 
Is, yeah. Is there is there a difference in anything? Do you get paid more? I mean, you, know? you, you get if you get a check, it's usually just a commission thing. You get a check if you want points and all that. Generally, you already have to be pretty big. You know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. let's say let's say for what would be a big example of a remix like Cedric Gervais that uh, the Lana Del Rey remix. Mm-hmm. or you know yeah. the avici madonna stuff where they almost call it like a collaboration right then yeah they're both they're both earning points on that you know what i mean got it got it but yeah. for, i i would say like 95 percent of the remixes that you see it's just a check okay. or even like a even a remix exchange like oftentimes you'll see somebody do a remix and then like a month later it's almost like okay then i'll do a remix for you as far as the big people is concerned yeah. It's just a remix exchange, and no money's really ever. There's no money paid. There's just an agreement to do a feature or whatever. So, yeah. like, I got a question because I, I I don't know much about the production world and the kind of like the indie labels. Like, I know like a couple of homies of mine will produce some dance records or they'll do some remixes and tracks, and then some indie label they'll they'll get signed with some indie label. You know, some some people will get signed with Fool's Gold. Some people, you know, with a track. Some people will sign with Matt Decent, with Diplo. Are there any benefits for you to sign with anything like that, or does it make any sense for you? I'm curious, actually, how that all works, because I, yeah. I still don't fully understand it, but I, I do know you know, there's certain people that, for example, work for Matt Decent, kind of almost in a ghost producer type capacity. Right. Where it's, where it's like they, they sit there and come up with like some of the ideas, maybe, or maybe Diplo hits them up and he's like, hey, I got this thing going through my head. Here's like a rough draft of it. Emails it over and then they turn it like into a bigger production. And Diplo's like, you know, change this up, change this up. I'll find the singer. All right, you can get this many points on the track. I think that's how it works. I, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. And I don't know what it works as far as the, the financial side, the, the contractual side for like the producer that works for Mad Decent. Yeah. I don't know how that works either mm. aside from being uh on the track on the bmi whatever it is do they get like some sort of fee do they get like a salary i i really don't even know i have no idea i i can only assume the the benefits would be a kind of exposure to new artists or different artists or a high profile artist and and the possibilities of working with them and um right maybe getting some marketing additional funding for marketing you know what i mean like maybe you'll right. get thrown an extra 10k to do a video or 20k to do a, a music video or something the way i've always looked at it is just I, I i love to do it i've always loved to do it and as far as a dj standpoint i i, I think i've developed a, a reputation for it and my hope and my next in my progression was to basically drop original music and hopefully people support that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's kind of been the plan all along. So what, what do you think your sound would be if you did uh, original music? I mean, I, I'm, I don't necessarily like to pigeonhole myself right. to any particular genre. Mm-hmm. And that's part of my problem. Yeah. Sometimes I look at these art, sometimes I look at these artists and I'm like, man, I wish I could be like Eric Priz, where it's just like, you just, produce this one sound and you could make 500 tracks in a year that all sound similar and everybody loves it but i get so bored mm, you know yeah. if i if I, li- if I listen to one sound for too long or even when i'm djing it's just like like let's say you get a gig and they're like hey play uh only house music all night long even in that i'm like bro no i don't i, I can't 
I, I want to dip down and go all over the place. You know what I mean? Right. Or yeah. even when they tell you to play hip hop all night long, I'm just like, oh man, I want to like play some reggae. I want to hop into house music, but yeah. it, it just gets so monotonous. So anyways, to bring it back, I, I it would be a diverse album. Snake, I think is like a perfect example. Nice. He's all, he's all over the board. You know what I mean? He's, he's, he's doing trap. He's doing reggaeton. Sort of like reggae, reggaeton. He's doing house work. Music. Would you mind like kind of like talking about how you ended up with Rich Group? I know you were once with Scam and then just like that whole process. If that's something you feel comfortable, comfortable talking about a little bit. Yeah. I mean, just to give people a little bit of my past, I built my name basically through discotheque. Uh, a guy named Danny Days in Miami reached out on my MySpace page in 2006 and saw the mashups that I had put on my page. And he was like, hey, we should join a group together. And I was like, we should do this Crook and Clan thing. We got on crookandclan.net. Uh, my brother joined the group. It was three of us. He goes by Gigamesh. Mm -hmm. And um, we did that for like, we toured around with Dexter. DJ Am found us through crookandclan.net and Kevin Scott. So you were signed and, uh, to Dexter? Yeah, I wasn't. I mean, it wasn't signed. But okay. Yeah, I was part of the, part of the group. I've never really signed any contract as far as uh, an agency is concerned. Yeah. But yeah, we were part of Dexter back in like 07, 08, mm -hmm. 09 until about you know basically after Am died, mm -hmm. and at that point. Uh, went with Sujit at Scam from about like 2010 to 2012. And as far as like my transition into Rich Group, I, I it, there came a certain point just for me personally where I felt like I was uh, just another number at Scam because the roster's so big. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, it always felt to me like there's some favorites and I understand that, you know, long longstanding relationships. And, you know, if you're just like this kid from Minnesota who moved to Miami you're like, hey, Sujit, bro, I'm trying to get booked. And he's like, yeah, 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 I'll get to you. So at some point, I wanted to, like, try something else. And I, I was so impressed with conflict. Uh, I was When I moved to Miami, I, was, I felt like I learned more from watching conflict spin and watching Mauricio spin and Ross one spin than I've ever learned DJing. Right. And uh, I, I always thought to myself, like, why isn't conflict huge? Like, that was, like, my, my initial response. Because I go into mansion, this kid's just, like, destroying it. Mm-hmm. And he was doing this like five, six nights a week. And and they had like conflict opening for me. And I'm like, what is going on right now? This guy should be huge. So he somehow found Lewis Rich. And I knew Lewis Rich from back at the Dexter days. Right when I got with Dexter, Lewis Rich sent me a message on MySpace. And he was like, hey, man, I'm leaving Dexter. I'm starting my own thing. Would you like to join? And I had just got with Dexter. And I was like, bro, I'm not leaving AM. I just, my dream just came true. <laughs> So I was like, eh, whatever, you know. So these years went by, and Juan got with with Lewis Rich, and I think at the time he was only representing Tony Martinez and maybe Pisano. I, I got to look at the timing on that, but it was like late 2012, early 2013, and he was able to get Juan booked like at Studio Paris in Chicago, and then I think he got him like a bunch of other stuff in Switzerland, and then High Bellagio. And I was like, wow, this guy's, this guy's pretty impressive. And I sat down and had a meeting with him and Juan. And um, I was like, I'm going to take the risk. You know, let's just see what we can do with our relationships. And, and I'm down. Yeah. And it, it ended up pretty good. I think after that, we had Graham Funky join, Stone Rock, Jessica Who, mm -hmm. Crespo at the time, mm -hmm. Obscene. 
Excel. Fashion. Transitioning from scam to rich group, what was the biggest difference for you? The fear of, oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to have these relationships anymore. I won't be able to get booked in these rooms because it's like scam kind of has control of them. But we just worked at it. We worked kind of as a group as hard as we could and put all of our relationships together and, and, and just tried to get as much bookings as we can. And it worked out. Yeah. You know, we, we kind of used like our, our Miami residencies as a way of marketing ourselves. Yeah. In addition to for like me, like my remixing kind of developed the name. My my association with Dexstar and DJ AM was able to like get a little bit of attention as well. So we we just did as much as we could to try and, and make as much noise as we could. Do you do you get um not offended, but do you, are, do you think it's uh, are you sensitive about being called like kind of an EDM DJ? You, do you consider yourself an open format DJ? I consider myself an open format DJ. I, I I've never really focused on the turntable side of the turntablist side of things, but right. I think anybody that's heard me play. I can do just fine in a hip hop room. Do just fine in an open format room. Yeah, because I've never heard I you. I've never heard you play. I've only known known uh, of you from from remixes and production, which has been predominantly, yeah. you know, obviously EDM based. So from mm -hmm. from my perspective, I didn't. I I never knew that you were like you had such a broad spectrum of music when you DJed. Actually, I watched a couple interviews with you, and you know, having listening to Tropical Quest, and I know you're a fan of like Pharrell Neptune's production and. And, and oh, yeah. so on and and you know hip-hop has been a big part of you when i hear people remix do trap remixes of hip-hop i would say yours is the best because i you know because of your roots in hip-hop i feel like you understand like what is missing from a hip-hop trap song and you kind of retranslate it to the to a big room or to to like a club environment you know exactly how to rework it you know what i'm saying because you can see both sides of it you know you're i think yeah. i, I, I want to get a better reaction from the crowd mm -hmm. is what i want to do you know what i mean and you guys have all been there where you play an original record sometimes you just you just can't even play the original because people are it just it sucks the life like right out of the room you right. know what i mean i i try and pick tracks where i'm like i just know i can hear it and i'm like this original is just not going to do it for people. You know what I mean? And spice it up. Yeah, spice it up. I think you did a great job with like the the baby sugar remix. And, and, I love and you, that remix. And what you do that's really great, uh, and you have a really great talent for is you know not to really butcher the song. You know what are yeah. the great elements you know, of it? You know. You know it's funny. You know I talked to Scooter the entire time I was making that. Really? <laughs> I was like I was sending it back and forth to him. Which scooter? Which scooter? Philadelphia Scooter in uh, San Diego. San Diego. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, bro, what do you think? Because I, I was almost kind of trying to make it like the Rake It Up remix. That I feel like that party favor sound and, and Diplo shit is like so perfect mm -hmm. uh -huh. because it, it's it, it's adding energy, but it's not screwing it up. And that's kind of the vibe that I was going for on that. And he's like, yeah, make it like this. So you can credit Scooter for that. Shout <laughs> to Scooter. Yo, what do you guys think are going to happen to like DJ rates, good uh, or bad? I'll take it. So I had to step away out of phone call. <laughs> Just this is a um, a note. Actually, this is one of the the problems with what's happening at hospitals. So my grandma last night she fell, and you know when you're really old, bones break easily. So she actually broke her hip, mm. uh, and I was on a oh, call no. now, and they were like, "She's 96, wow. so she's got to go surgery." Because the doctor's like, "Listen, she's got two options." Now we'll, we'll get to the rates in a second. Sorry to be dumpy, but just like let's shed light on what's happening. This is this is real time. Um, they're like, you can put her in bed and she's got to be in bed for the rest of her life. She won't be able to move because a fractured hip, you know, doesn't let you move. Or she goes to surgery and we try to fix it. Uh, both of those options suck at 96 years old. 
Yes. Um, yes. So, and the part that sucks the most is she's got to go alone because they're not letting any family members go with their their family when there's a problem. So if you break something, you got to go in by yourself and being 96 by herself and during the surgery is going to suck. Yeah. So we're just trying to figure out the logistics with that. And does as she, as does DJ, she have to be, does she have to stay quarantined even after the surgery just to make sure she didn't catch Corona at all? The well, uh, she's 96, man. So I don't know what's going to happen right. after the surgery. If there is after the surgery, we'll see what happens. Oh man. Because, you know, the human body can only take so much. D, uh, D, you were just going through this with your roommate, right? Your roommate was removing a cast. Yeah, yeah. So what happened is actually, um, he was. This was about a week before, actually, a couple of days before everything got shut down. He was out at a nightclub and he, um, he fell in in a wet spot and broke his elbow. Mm. So he uh, went into quick care. They're like, you need to see a specialist. So they recommended him a, a specialist. Literally a few days later, everything shut down. So he couldn't get a hold of a specialist right away. And then when he finally did, they told him unless he had COVID or he was dying, they couldn't see him. So what ended up happening is three weeks went by and his elbow started healing on its own, but it started oh, healing wrong. Hmm. Yeah. It started healing wrong. So at that point, he finally saw a specialist and they're like, yo, like it's healed wrong. We could, we're going to have to re-break it and do surgery. But the problem is if we re-break it and have surgery now, there's a chance that since it started to heal and microfibers formed, that if we re-break it, you could have permanent nerve damage, which means you may never ne may never be able to use your hand again. Whoa. So it's at your own risk Bro. at this point. Either either you have the surgery and you run the risk of not being able to use your hand again, or you just don't do it and you just get used to having a, a elbow that's going to be like kind of like weird to move the rest of your life. Oh, so man. now he has a huge now he has a huge lawsuit on his hands. Oh shit! Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, so it, it's pretty bad, man. I feel I feel horrible for him, but he essentially has a huge lawsuit because that initial doctor should have taken him in and understood what his elbow needed and given him surgery instead of kind of pushing him to the side. So they were so worried about COVID, they they kind of just pretty much said, "Yeah, we can't help you right now." Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Oh, so I'll, let you guys, I'll, I'll send you guys a message later. I'll let you know what happened. But yeah, yeah. Uh, Shit. The question before I decided to to rain on the whole parade here was uh, the DJ rates. Um, if we open up clubs at thirty percent capacity, then why would we get paid a hundred percent rate? Mm -hmm. you know, if the club is taking a, a seventy percent loss on revenue potentially. Right. And that's if they're able to make the same they used to off that 30 percent of people that are in attendance, because if they open up at 30 percent capacity and people are spending half as much, then they're really making 15 percent of the profit they used to. Right. So why would a club say, OK, here's your full rate, even though I'm making the club owners making 85 percent less. So to me, it's going to be a massive problem for rates uh, from the jump when we come back. I don't see anyone paying, you know, getting paid the full rate, but hopefully I'm wrong. I mean, you know what? Not only that, I also feel like clubs are not going to book DJs from out of town. I agree. They're not going to want to pay the DJs to fly in mm -hmm. and put up in a hotel where you could just get a local DJ and pay them like half yeah. the rate. Which is good for local DJs. But it sucks for like traveling DJs. I mean, you know, I, I feel like everyone needs to adapt. You know, I think... Joe <laughs> <Sure. laughs> raises hand. <laughs> well, like, I, I think everyone has to adapt. But the, the whole thing is I would love to see a conflict set on live stream as much yeah. as you're not receptive to it and you know you you've had some great instagram routines and i know how much work goes into those routines i can just imagine so like i i i'm, I'm not expecting those routines like every week i think it's possible my problem so the only problem i have with it is that i feel like it it serves a very small purpose right now because so many people are doing it 
Uh, every bone in my body, like if everyone's doing something, do something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's like my first, I got to jump over that hurdle. And then the second hurdle is, okay, I'm doing this for entertainment, maybe an hour a week, but what dividend does that pay off in the future? If it's just for my, just for people that follow me and just to like be cool and like, not be cool, but rather to, to give people some entertainment, I understand it for that value. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But if it's potentially to keep my name out there and to keep people interested, it's like, well, interested for what? For, for a massive pay cut when we open up a small lounge sometime in the next six months, you know? I honestly think, uh, I think I would like to see a conflict live set because I know you, appro- I mean, from the first episode we had you on a year and a half ago, you, we spoke about content and which, how you focus on content and how you put content out. And I think it would be kind of the same approach if you do a Twitch you just got to take your time and see how you make it fun. Thank you. I'll definitely, I've already, I mean, I have a setup already in my, in my house. I'll show you guys if I can get there, but a green screen in the back and the DJ setup got moved to the living room. So I have everything ready when I did do, uh, I've done two clubs. I did park and I did uh, dare here in the, the hard rock in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, I, I saw, I think DJ wonders the first DJ I saw that had like this and crooked. You, you, you actually sent a tweet and you're like, yo, this guy's going above and beyond. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And when I saw that, I was like, okay, that, if I do something, it has to be better than that because that's the best I had seen right. up to that point. Mm-hmm. So it did spark a little bit. Um, and so I got green screens here and I have everything ready to go. Um, so, are you are you using OBS or? Yes, OBS. Okay. Yeah. I've, I've, I've heard some weird stuff about OBS fucking up some of the new MacBook Pros, but I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, I, I haven't had a real problem with it at okay, all. Okay, cool. And then, Joe, I was actually thinking about you and you going live. I recently saw, like, Alchemist. You know, I, I love, I love. you know, he's one of my favorite producers. I recently yeah. saw him go live, and uh, and he was just, like, playing all this unreleased Prodigy shit. You know what I mean? Like, he was playing a bunch wow. of unreleased music, and I thought, shit, I would love to see, like, Joe Maz play a bunch of remixes he's never released. Yeah, some of like, throwaways. Yeah, like and just just play it and then just kind of get on the mic and and talk about it, like yeah, you know, like not a like lot, story, just be like yeah, like a storytelling, like oh, I wanted to put that out, but it just never came together because of whatever. And right, yeah, that'd be pretty dope. And actually. then you can do kind of like a version of the remix where it goes through some of the separation and stems, like yo, like this is the keys for eight bars, and then like it builds up to the baseline and that. And we're like, yeah, I never used this. It never went through. Like, it never got approved by the label or blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, I th- I, I've i been thinking about that a lot, honestly. I and mean, even my wife's like, why don't you do, like, tutorials and stuff like that? I'm sure there's tons of people that would love to, to see your process and see how you do it. Yeah. So that's definitely going to happen. But I, I'm, like, consumed kind of, like, in a sort of in a sort of way of, like, where are we going with all this? You know what I mean? Right. Like, <laughs> I can he do that. Let it go. I, I can like, do that. I can do that. Like we can, we can, we can twitch. We can, we can do all this stuff. But like six months from now, if we're still having these conversations, it's going to be. Don't you think it's going to be like so weird? We we sound still, we you know, sound you know like I mean? we sound like a bunch of uh like a bunch of like psychos on a date. Like where's this date going? You know what yeah. I mean? Like are we going to get married? <laughs> do you like me? Does she not like yeah. me? <laughs> do you like kids? Do you like kids? Like where are we going to do? Color? All right, guys. Well, I, I think we're going to wrap this up. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I had to step away, but obviously I was dealing with a little something on, on my end. No, no, no. We're, we're, we're sorry. We're, you know, it's no problem. We're actually, we're sorry to, to keep you here. I mean, thanks for, uh, for doing One more thing, Conflict. Did you really go back to school? Or was that a whole like troll? No, troll? I signed up. I actually, I signed up for college in January. Oh, okay, cool. Congrats, oh, man. What are you, what I didn't are you know studying? That. Well, yeah, what are you studying? Psychology. 
<laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's dope because I know the first time we had you in the podcast, uh, you went live a little bit on IG and people were like, yo, what's your thoughts on school? And you were kind of like pessimist towards it. So yeah. I'm kind of I'm, I'm kind of glad you kind of flipped the switch. I hate, I hate the pay for play system. So they're like, you have to pay us this money to learn the things we should tell you to learn to get the paper we give you. So you get a job. I hate that. But yeah. I, I like making my own schedule. And if you're a psychologist, you can block the things off how you want. You know, I'll see you at two, I'll see you at three, and then I'm done for the day. And I, I appreciate that kind of freedom. Mm. And I think that's what I want to uh, kind of focus on in, in the next decade of my life. That's dope. That's dope. Congrats, man. Yeah. That's, that's really dope. I want to schedule an appointment. <laughs> yeah. Same. <laughs> Put me after Joe. After this, we all oh. need to schedule. Yeah. <laughs> Yo. Yeah, I need a. I need an evaluation. Yeah. <laughs> Conflicts, all our therapists. <laughs> That's amazing. What do you call? I'm not gonna call him Doctor Conflict. Doctor Con. You can go fuck. You can go fuck yourself. I'm not calling you Doctor Conflict. <laughs> Therapist Conflict. Conflict, you seem a lot more chill than than our last interview. Uh, I felt like I was walking in the lines then the last interview. You guys are being nicer now. Really? Uh, <laughs> no way. He's like, he's like, you guys got soft. <laughs> What do you mean? You you felt you felt threatened before a little bit? Like not, not threatened, but at first I, I was like I think I came in like super chill and relaxed and loose, and then I think the questioning started a little like harder and rougher than I thought it was going to be. And I was okay. like, well, <laughs> "What's going on?" <laughs> so then I like you know I just kind of like reacted to the energy that I was feeling in the moment. Oh but really? Felt, yeah yeah yeah. Interesting interesting. Yeah. Okay. This felt different. This felt more loose. It felt more. Pause. Right. Oh, yeah, pause. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool, man. Oh well, look, look, Joe, uh, conflict. Thank you for like taking the time, man. Uh, Appreciate what it. What do you call it? And uh, you, I God, hope man. to see you guys really soon in person. And yeah. uh, if not, likewise, I, I know. I hope to see you guys uh, in a live stream as well, man. I want, I want to see you guys, you know, share your talents and and your gifts with with us and. I'm looking forward to it, so you know what I mean. So thank, well, thank you, guys. you a lot for having us on. Yeah, Appreciate thank you. It. Yeah, thank man. you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you guys, man. And Thanks then, so. um, and then, Jamie, you want to do the? Oh, finally, we could do this again. If you want to watch this video alongside all our brand new videos we release every Friday, go to YouTube.com/slash/RoadPodcast. Make sure you like. Make sure you comment. Make sure you subscribe. You hit the notification bell to be the first to get the video. And in this time, go ahead and just. Do a whole marathon of our old episodes that we've been putting out. Nice, yeah. uh, Joe Maz Conflict. Thank you again. Uh, thank, thank you to DJ City, uh, mm -hmm. and we out, man. Peace. Peace. All right. All right.